Well, to all the dads, happy Father's Day. Let's all say that together to the dads. Ready? Happy Father's Day. Yeah, glad that you're here. Happy Father's Day to you. I hope, uh, I hope that uh, you have a wonderful, wonderful day. My, uh, my uh, daughter, Taylor, and her fiancé are bringing over lunch for dad uh, this afternoon after church, and I'm getting ribs. How about that? I'm getting ribs from them. So uh, it's going to be a wonderful lunch for me, Father's Day, and I hope that uh, you have a great Father's Day as well. You know, today we're beginning a brand new uh, series. It's just a two-parter. You know, last our last series was 10 weeks. We talked about the 10 commandments, right? Well, today, beginning a two-part series. This is part one. The series is called Changes, Changes, and today we're going to be talking about uh, trusting God during changing times. Trusting God during changing times. That's what all, this is all about today. You'll find, uh, I hope that you picked up a, um, uh, your sermon notes. Uh, I heard we may have actually run out of them. Uh, I did not have printed enough. Praise the Lord. We had more people today than we were expecting. So uh, I am so glad that you're here. But uh, if, uh, if you do have one of the notes, you'll want to go ahead and fill them out today. You know, for the past 16 months, and this is certainly uh, not news to any of you, for the last 16 months, we've been in a worldwide pandemic. And, uh, you know, not a single one of us at Christ Church was alive the last time we went through anything like this in our nation. I mean, it has been that long ago, uh, over a hundred years ago, in fact. Uh, and, you know, you talk about radical change. I was thinking about this th this week. You know, in a, in, in a period of a couple of weeks, our nation, the United States, we went from the greatest booming economy we have seen in decades and decades and decades. In just a matter of weeks, we went to the highest unemployment we have seen in decades, all within a couple of weeks and all because of this worldwide pandemic. You talk about radical change. You know what, folks? We have lived through it. Most schools shut down. You know, uh, your kids haven't left home in a year. You know, and, and businesses closed, which means most of you, or many of you who are working, were working from home. And so for 16 months or so, you have been with your kids and with your spouse all the time. I mean, there was no escape. There was no place to go. You know, even our churches shut down for in-person worship. And, uh, you know, although that may have been a wise decision for our physical health, what I'm beginning to see is that it has been a disaster for many people's mental health and emotional health and spiritual health as families are falling apart all around us, dropping like flies because of relationship problems, relationship problems that have turned into spiritual problems. And all that's to say, folks, that you and I have been through a lot of changes. And here's the deal. Most of the changes you and I have been through 
have not been of our own making and have been outside of our control. Isn't that right? I mean, we didn't choose to have this pandemic. We didn't choose to shut the schools down. We didn't choose to shut businesses down. We didn't choose to uh, have to work at home. We didn't choose to uh, 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 shut churches down. You know, but this is what has happened, and we're having to live through it. And most everyone will agree, you know, we live certainly in a changing world. There's only one, one thing you can accurately predict about the future, right? And that's, it's going to change. That's the only thing you can actually predict about the future is that the future is going to change. Tomorrow is going to look different than today. It's just the way it is. And we've got to figure out how to live through this. And certainly over the past 30 years, uh, as your pastor, I, I, we at Christ Church have been through a world of change in 30 years. You know, Rosemary and I, when we first got here to Northern Virginia, I preached my very first sermon uh, on July the 5th. To, uh, uh, let's see, 1992, July the 5th, 1992, in the cafeteria of Silverbrook School. That's where we were. And I thought I'd done a pretty good job until somebody came up to me after church and told me my zipper had been down for the entire service. You know, but still, they kept me. And in two years, from 1992 to 1994, we had actually grown to be a church of 100 people. Our little church had grown to be a church of 100 people. And we did what we thought was going to be the impossible. We took a step of faith, stepped out, took a risk to break ground on our first building. Right over here in Cross Point, right off Silverbrook Road, right on Glen Eagles Lane next to uh, the Cross Point Community Center. That is our very first church right there. And by 1997, the cool thing was we'd outgrown the building. And so we had to expand the building. We added uh, another 100 seats or more in the, in the sanctuary. We added on to uh, some classroom space. And by 1999, two more years later, we added trailers. And we didn't just add two trailers like you see here. And a couple more years, we added more double-wide trailers. And a couple more years, we added more double-wide trailers. And finally, we made the decision, sought after God's guidance and made a decision that, that we could never be what God called us to be, wanted us to be, had planned for us to be, dreamed for us to be if we stayed on this little five-acre piece of property off of Silverbrook Road. And so in 2003, we bought this land over here, 25 acres on 123, the largest piece of property available between George Mason University and the Occoquan River on 123. And the Lord allowed us to take the risk, to step out in faith and, do, and, and purchase this piece of property. But you know, the, we didn't break ground on this building for 10 more years. And I will tell you, it was like wandering through the wilderness, we wondered if we were ever going to make it. We wondered if maybe we had missed God's direction. We wondered if, if, uh, if this was ever going to be a reality to be over here on, uh, on this piece of property. In fact, we came, the leadership and I came this close 
to selling this piece of property here on because we didn't believe or we were we were questioning whether or not we may have missed God's guidance because it was becoming almost impossible just to pay the mortgage or the the debt load on this piece of property while we were paying the mortgage over on the other church and we wondered, maybe did we miss God somehow? Had, we, had God uh, told us to turn and we went straight? Or did God tell us to go straight and we took a turn? We have been through the wilderness of the 2008 recession. And it was devastating to us here at Christ Church. It was devastating. But yet... The reason we're here today is because we remained faithful through the changes. When everything was falling apart, when we thought maybe we had missed God, we stayed faithful to the vision. We stayed faithful in spite of all the changes that were going on around us, in spite of the economy falling apart, in spite of all of that. We stayed faithful. And here's where we are today. And on uh, in 2013, we broke ground here on this piece of property, and then on July 26, 2015, the people of Christ Church walked all the way from uh, our old church in Cross Point all down 123. This is out here on 123 on the on the bike path as we were walking to claim this spot for Jesus. In fact. We arrived as the people of Christ Church out here in front of the building on that day. And that was just in 2015. And so, you know, I share with all of that with you today because the fact is, we've been through a lot of changes here at Christ Church. And I think, you know, for me, I've been through probably more changes on a personal level than many people have in their entire life. And so what I want to do today is share with you kind of my testimony. It's kind of like a testimony today on, on what I have learned, what God has taught me about living through change and not simply, listen to me, not simply coping with change, but, but living through change. That is, becoming better through change, growing through change, not just coping with change, but growing through change. This is an important message, and I want to share with you four things that God has taught me about change. And so I'm going to start right now, get your pen ready, because here is what you need to know. The first thing that God taught me about change is that change is inevitable. Change is inevitable. Change is going to happen. Change is taking place everywhere you look. In fact, nothing stays the same on this planet. It's the way God designed it. Everything that's healthy is going to happen, is going to go through change. In fact, God told us it was going to be this way. In his very first book, in the book of Genesis, we find in Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, look what it says right there. This is God speaking. He says, as long as the earth remains... There's going to be what? Let's say it together. Springtime and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night. Yeah. In other words, here, change is inevitable. You know, change is going to happen. 
Nothing is going to stay the same. You know, even in a 24-hour period, we're going to have day and we're going to have night. We're going to have, uh, over a period of a year, we're going to have time when you plant and time when you're harvesting. And what you put in the ground when you plant is not the same thing, is not the same look as what you're going to be picking the fruit from. I mean, you plant a seed, but you're harvesting from a plant. It changed. It changed. There's going to be summer and winter and springtime and harvest and cold and heat and summer and, and uh, winter and day and night. That's just the way it's going to be. In other words, change is inevitable. Matter of fact, I heard Rick Warren say uh, a, a little phrase that I thought was so profound, I wrote it down. And here's what he said. He said, there is no growth without change, there is no change without loss, there is no loss without grief, and there is no grief without pain. I want you to hear it again. This is profound, I think. There is no growth without change, no change without loss, no loss without grief, and no grief without pain. Let's take a look at this right now. First, it says, there is no growth without change. You know, I want to tell you, that one of the things that I've learned is that if you want to grow spiritually, if you want to grow emotionally, if you want to grow intellectually, if you want to go, uh, grow relationally, if you want to grow financially, there's going to have to be change. In fact, if you want your business to grow, you're going to have to do some changing. If we want our church to grow, we're also going to have to change. The church has to change. There is no growth without change. In fact, let's say that together. There is no growth without change. One more time. There is no growth without change. Here's number two, and that is there is no change without loss. What am I talking about here? Well, you know, like the way God designed our life to work is our life is a series of beginnings and endings, of beginnings and endings, of beginnings and endings, on and on, graduation and commencements, commencements and graduations, beginnings and ends. One thing begins while another thing ends. This is the way life works. For some reason, it's the way God designed it. For every beginning, there is also an ending, and there is no change without loss. In fact, as I was thinking about it, life is kind of like a trapeze act. If you've ever been to the circus and seen the trapeze artists, you know, up here on a high pedestal and then they swing out and let go of the, of the bar they're holding on and either catch a hold of somebody else or catch a hold of another bar and swing up to the other pedestal. That's the way a trapeze uh, act works. But here's the thing. You've probably never seen, been to the circus and seen, a trapeze artist swing out from that pedestal and then say, oh, I don't think I want to let go. I don't think I'm going to let go of this bar to catch the other one or to catch the hands of somebody else. Why? Because eventually, if you don't let go, that thing's going to stop swinging, and it's a long way to fall to the bottom, right? That's the way a trapeze show works. The scariest time in a trapeze artist's uh, act 
is when that trapeze artist swings out and then lets go. And you know what? If you've ever seen it and paid attention to it, when those bars are swinging, they don't actually touch. You have to let go, and then what's happening? You are swinging over, hanging in midair, just swinging out to catch hold of either the other bar that will take you over or the hands of those who are trying to catch you. There it is on the screen right there. Let me tell you, that's the scariest part of life. And I will tell you this. Here's a little, here's a little saying. I've got to let go of what I've got in order to grab on to what I have not. I've got to let go of what I've got so that I can grab a hold of what I have not. Let me tell you, that's the scariest part of life. Maybe some of you are in that spot right now when life is changing and you're hanging in the midair because one job has ended and you don't have the next one yet. Or maybe one relationship that you've been in has ended and another one has yet to begin. But changes or not, I've got to let go of what I've got in order to grab a hold of what I have not. And I will tell you, when you're hanging there in midair, folks, it is a test of your faith. The question is, are you going to trust God? When you're hanging there in midair, when you are waiting for the other person on the other bar to catch you, are you going to trust God during this time? Because growth requires change and change requires loss. You've got to let go. There is no change without loss. Let's say it together. Ready? There is no change without loss. There you go. Here's the third one is that there's no loss without grief. There's no loss without grief. You know, here we are in the United States. We have celebrating Father's Day today. And uh, as a as a, a father, as a male, I can say this, you know, we guys, we, in general, we're just not good grievers. We don't do emotions all that well. You know, if there's one thing that we're afraid of, we're, we tend to be afraid of our emotions. You know, we'll chase the spiders away. We'll catch the mice. You know, we, 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 will, we will catch the snakes. But don't ask us to do a whole lot with our emotions. We're kind of afraid of them. In fact, you know, when it comes time to grief, grieve we guys, we just simply want to get over with it. You know, we want to, we want to, we want to deal with it and move on. Get it out of the way, get it out of the way so we can go on. The problem is, the more we shove down those emotions, and that, let me tell you, I, Rosemary even told me just the other day, I'm not good at this, so I'm just telling you what I, I believe that I'm supposed to tell you, not what I do. Don't do what I do, because sometimes I push my emotions down too, and here's the deal. You know, what she has reminded me is like, you're shaking up a Coke can. So what Rosemary tells me. Sometimes I'm just shaking up the Coke can, because eventually, it's going to explode all over you and somebody you love. 
What comes out is just going to spew all over, you, all over you and over everybody you love. And that's a problem. For even Jesus knew that we got to deal with our emotions. Matter of fact, what did he say in his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount? He says, blessed are those who mourn. For those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn, for they're going to be comforted. In fact, what's the shortest verse in the Bible? What is it? Jesus wept. That's right, Jesus wept. You know, you don't realize what you're doing to yourself. You know, if you're stuffing down your grief, you got to let it go. And as, a, as your pastor, as someone who loves you very, very much, I just want to say this, because I've, I've dealt with my share of grief. I have dealt with my share of grief. I've been with you, or many of you, when you have been grieving, when you have experienced loss. I've experienced my own loss in my own family. I know what grief is. And I will tell you this, as your pastor, someone who loves you, you don't get over grief. You get through it. If you've lost a child, you don't get over that. You get through that. You get through it with the grace of God. You know, if, if, if you've been married for 50 years and you lose your spouse, you don't get over that. You get through it. You get through it. I think that's why the Bible says, wise old King Solomon, look what he said. He says, uh, matter of fact, let's say it together. Put it on the screen. Here it is. There is a, is it up there? There it is. Ready? Let's say it together. There is a time to grieve and a time to dance. There we go. Sometimes you got to grieve. Sometimes you're going to dance. But you got to do them. There's joy and there's grief together. So there's no growth without change, no change without loss, no loss without grief. But let me say this before I go on. Is it possible, I'll ask you a question, is it possible to grieve and be happy in the situation at the same time? Do you think it's possible? I think so. I think it's possible to be happy about a particular circumstance and still grieve that circumstance. I'll give you an example in my own life. I know you've got plenty of examples on your own, but here's one for me. Uh, a few months ago, uh, our daughter Taylor announced that she was engaged to be married. And sometime after the first of the year, uh, we will have a wedding for uh, our daughter Taylor. And, you know, Rosemary and I are very, very happy about this situation. We believe that uh, the young man uh, that she's engaged to is God's perfect match, that they are, they are perfectly matched for one another. And we're happy about this. But here's the deal. At the same time, I know my baby's not coming home. She's not coming home again. She's going to be living her life and beginning her family. And I will tell you, as a dad, I grieve that. You know what that's like, Bill, right? You know that you can be happy in this situation and, and uh, grieving at the same time. You know, that's what I do. I'll give you another example. Our son, Hunter, just finished his first year in medical school, and he's got Six more years before he can hang a shingle and get through his residency, finish his school, get through his residency and hang a shingle. Another six years, I know that my son is gone. He's not coming home again. He's not coming home again. And in fact, son, I know you're watching. 
don't even think about coming home again. Uh, fly, bird, fly, fly, fly. Right, somebody has got to support your mom and dad during retirement. That's going to be you. So uh, keep on going. All right, so having said that, there is some grief that goes along with that too. There's grief that goes along knowing that my son is not coming home even though I'm very happy about his situation. So, number two, let's get going. Number two is uh, not all change is good. Can I get a witness on that? All right? Not all change that we go through is good, but here it is. But God can use it for good. Can we put that up on the screen? Can we put that up on the screen? Not all change is good. There it is. But God can do what? What can God do? Say it. That's right. God can use it for good. God can use it for good. You know, I, as I said, there, not all change in your life is good. If you get laid off, that ain't good, right? If you go bankrupt, that ain't good. If you hear those dreaded words, either heart disease or cancer from your doctor, that's not a good thing. But what we can do is give those things to the Lord and let God use them for his glory and for our good. One of the things I want you to understand, and we're going to do this real quick, is that, that change generally comes from three places. The change you experience in your life generally comes from three places. The first one is your choices, all right? Choices. Here's the second one, consequences. That's the second place that change comes. Here's the third one, circumstances. That's where change comes from, from your choices, from your uh, consequences, and from your circumstances. You know, here's the easiest one to deal with right here at the top. Your choices, you know, if you make a choice, it may bring about a change in your life, but you've chosen to do it. Like, I choose to get married, going to be a big change, but uh, I, I, I'm, I can handle that because I'm looking forward to it. If I go off to college, go on to school, this is a choice that I make, and it's going to be a change, but I'm looking forward to it. Or, you know, uh, uh, one year from now, I'm going to retire. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a change, big change in my life, but I'm looking forward to that time that I'm going to be able to spend with Rosemary. Then, whether the choices are good or bad, there comes consequences, right? You know, some of the choices, some of the choices uh, that affect you are not choices you've made. Think about this. People around you can make a choice that can affect your life seriously. What am I talking about? I'm talking about things like, uh, like today, if I'm driving home and, and uh, somebody uh, runs a red light and hits my car, well, there's... That's a huge consequence that somebody made a choice to run that red light and who's paying the piper? Who's paying the price? Me. My life is now affected because of the choice somebody else makes. I realize that, you know, I'm, I'm a married man and uh, many of my choices don't simply affect me but affect my wife too. My wife makes choices and the choices that she made don't just affect her, but affect me. 
There are choices that come from uh, consequences, but there are also choices that come from circumstances. What am I talking about? These are like the rogue wave of your life, or the earthquake, or the, or the, uh, uh, the hurricane. You weren't expecting it, haven't been able to prepare for it, and next thing you know, you're suffering the consequences of it the circumstances in your life. But whether they're good or bad, choice, uh, change happens. One of the things I want to point out to you is this. From Romans 8.28, 8.28. Matter of fact, I want us to say Romans 8.28 together. Ready? Romans 8.28. I want you to memorize this. You need to know it. You need to be able to pull it up. You need to be able to recall it at a moment's notice. Romans 8.28 that says, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Here's the deal. I want you to notice one thing in here. This does not say that everything that happens to you is good. This does not say that every change in your life is good. You know what it does say is that God will work in and through all the things, all the changes, all the choices, all the circumstances in your life to bring about something that works for good. Now, I want you to notice one more thing. This is a promise, but this promise isn't for everybody. Now look at it closely. This is God's promise, but God doesn't promise everybody that he's going to work things out in your life for good. But he's going to do it for those what? For those who what? Who love him. For those who love him. For those who say, God, I want your purpose done in my life. I want to follow you. I want to serve you. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I want to follow your plan. I want to be yours. For those who love him, God has promised to take all the choices, all the circumstances, uh, all the consequences, and work those things out for his honor, for his glory, and for your good. That's the promise for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, number three is this. I'm going to do this quickly, but and I want to tell you why I put this point in. Let me give you the point first. God can use my sin my errors, my mistakes, my mess-ups, he can make them to accomplish his purpose. Now, the reason I put this in is because I hear with some kind of regularity from people right here at Christ Church and say, you know, you have no idea what I've done in my past life. I, I made some choices that have really messed me up and so I know that I have missed out on God's plan and God's purpose for my life. I hear people tell me that. I hear it said that I've missed out on God's plan, His purpose for my life because of some of the choices or circumstances or 
consequences that have happened in my life because of my sin, my error, my mess-ups, my goof-up, all of that kind of thing. I want you to know that that's not true. That the promise of God is this, in all of the changes that are going on in your life, that God can take those, even your sin, even your error, even your mess-ups, even your screw-ups, and he can take that and work them in, and God is the master weaver. I don't understand how he does it, but he's the master weaver to take all of that junk in our life and weave it in to a beautiful plan that fulfills your purpose, God's purpose for your life. That is unbelievable. In fact, one of the great stories in the Old Testament is out of the book of Genesis, first book in the Bible. It's about this guy named Joseph, not, not Joseph the father of Jesus, but Joseph and the technicolor dream coat Joseph. You remember him. And he's telling this this tremendous story and at the end when he is facing his brothers who tried to kill him by the way he said this look at this Genesis 50 verse 20 you intended to harm me that's what he was saying to his brothers you intended to harm me now look what follows after the comma but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. God took that horrible situation in Joseph's life, matter of fact, multiple horrible situations in that man's life, and turned it into the saving of the people of Israel. That's how God works. If he can do it here, he can do it in your life. Last thing is that change is always a test of faith. Let's say it together. Change is always a what? A test of faith. One more time. Change is always a test of faith. Yes, change is always a test of faith. You know, uh, whatever the change is, whether it's positive or whether it's negative, whether it's birth or divorce, whether it's death or marriage, graduation or flunking out, it is always a chest test of your faith. Big changes, little changes. 1 Peter 1.7, the purpose of these troubles is to what? What does it say? The purpose of these troubles is to test your faith. As fire tests how genuine gold is, your faith is much more precious than gold. What else does he say? And by passing the test, it gives praise and glory and honor to God. Folks, change is inevitable. It is. But God can work it out for good. He's going to test your faith with it. He's going to strengthen you through it. And so here it is. What do you do when you're in the midst of all of this change? When the world is going crazy all around us? When there's change more than you think you can handle? I want you to do this. Do this, do this, do this, do this. Tell God, I will trust him no matter what. Tell God, I'll trust him no matter what. I'll trust him no matter what. Even if it's not the storybook ending you hoped for, even if it's not the way that you wanted your life to be, I'm going to trust him no matter what. Why? Because God is a good God. Because God loves you. Because God created you. 
Because God has a good plan for your life. He has a good plan for your life. Here, folks, listen. Over the last 30 years, we have been through, I have seen so many changes. It's just unbelievable as the pastor of this church. And I have told you that there have been times when I thought things looked like they were falling apart or going in the wrong direction. Maybe they were moving too slowly. And there were times when there was intense opposition and intense criticism. But we are here today and God is Lord in this church because we've said one thing the leadership has been strong every step of the way to say God no matter what we're going to trust you we're going to trust you when it when when things look gloomy we're going to trust you when when the opposition and and, and criticism comes, we're going to trust you. When we wonder if we've heard you right, we're going to trust you. And when you do that, you can live through the changes and not simply cope with them, but you come out on the other side better and stronger and you come out knowing that no matter what happens God is good and he is what? Say it louder. Good all the time. Yes he is. Get it? Good. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you. You are an amazing God whose love for us never ends and never fails. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you are the one constant when everything else is changing. When all the world seems to be spinning out of control and and we wonder if we're spinning with it. When we are struggling, Lord, to to make sure that, that we're following where you want us to go. In the midst of all of this change, you've reminded us that change is inevitable. It's the way the world is set up. You never set the world up where nothing changes. It changes all the time. And it reminds us, Lord, that if we want a constant that constant has got to be you. For you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You are the God who never fails. You are the God who never changes. You are the one constant in our life that we can hook our anchor to. Thank you so much. Lord, we know that not all the changes that go on in our life are good, and many of them are not of our own making. But thank you that you are a God who's willing to work all these things together 
Even our mistakes, our sin, our faults, our failures, our hang-ups, our habits, our mess-ups, and weave it all into a perfect plan for our lives where we can be in your will. And Lord, no matter what, we want to trust you. We say thank you, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being a trustworthy God who loves us beyond anything we could ever begin to dream, think, or imagine. And Lord, if there is one here who is yet to experience the free and saving grace of Christ, we pray that they may open their heart and say, Lord, I don't understand it all, but as much as I do understand it, I want to trust you as my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me of my sin. And be the constant that I need in my life. I give you praise, honor, and glory. In the holy, precious, and matchless name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people say, amen and amen. We're going to have an opportunity to give back to God. It's all electric.